Well, good morning. <laughs> You're not paying attention very much. Good morning. How's everybody this morning? Pretty good. I feel good. James Brown. <laughs> so, so why did I title this? It's nine o'clock Friday morning. It happened on Friday morning. It happened. It started happening at nine o'clock on Friday morning. And it's when he started his crucifixion. It's when they nailed him to the cross. Nine o'clock in the morning on a Friday. We'll see how much we get through. I don't know. I don't know. So, we've gotten to Galgoth, or the place of the skull. And so this is where we're picking up we're picking up at. I think you did a little bit of this last week. Either that, you did it, or Matt preached on the same thing, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I did this uh, walk down there and John did the same. John preached on the same thing. I think, I think so. Okay. Two other men, both criminals, were led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one with, on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they were doing. And I blended this particular lesson with all four Gospels. And if something added, as opposed to being redundant, that's what I went ahead and did, was added what, what, what the other one had. So, to get a picture, who was Jesus asking forgiveness for? Who were the them? The Father. Huh? The Father. He was asking the Father, but who was the them he was asking for forgiveness? It's the man on the left and the man on the right. Wanda says everybody. The, the chief priests, the elders, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Romans. Is he asking for the Romans too? Probably everybody. Because who did he come for? Everybody. And in Matthew, they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. And I think you covered this. Either that or you covered this. But after tasting, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. So who offered the wine mixed with gall and why? Soldiers did. Why did they offer it? Huh? Well, there was something that could be an analgesic, but from what I read, gall slash myrrh, as they refer to it, wasn't an analgesic. Poison. So why would they give him poison? They can go faster than they get done with this and go back to the business. You know, he wasn't going to die because he was on the cross. He's going to die because he was poisoned. But it made their job easier. Or could be compassion. It was very torturous to be on the cross. So maybe they were compassionate and they said, here, we're going to help you. 
The Romans weren't known for being compassionate, though, but it's a possibility. It doesn't say whether they did or they didn't. They probably did. Thinking that led them to walk around breaking legs? No, the breaking legs was to go ahead and have them suffocate to death. That was, it, when you weren't dead yet? Okay, you're, you're going to be dead in about five minutes. That was the idea behind breaking the legs. So, how was he dressed when he was crucified? Huh? He was butt naked. They took all of his clothes off. So when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes. So I, John added more. So it looks like it's redundant, but I'm adding what John put in there, dividing them into four shares. One for each of them with the undergarment remaining. The garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled. They divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. So John gives a little bit more insight. Where was John during the crucifixion? He was right there. Makes sense. He has a little more detail. What piece of garment was unique? Yeah. Which one was it? Is the undergarment? That one was the one that was all one piece. What scripture is being fulfilled? You're right, there it is, Psalm 22. I put in there 19 through 19, uh, 16 through 19, for dogs have surrounded me, a band of evildoers encompass me. So how did the Jews refer to the Gentiles? Dogs, okay. A band of evildoers, who were those probably? Pharisees, Sadducees, chief priests, elders. They pierced my hands and feet. So now he's talking back about the dogs. I count all my bones. They look, they stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and, my clothing, and for my clothing they cast lots. That's where he's talking about that undergarment, where they cast lots, because they didn't want to divide that, because it was all one piece. So, back to Matthew. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults, at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. So, what they understand, misunderstand about the temple? Did he say, Destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it? Yeah, very early in his ministry. I mean, we're talking about a couple of years previous to this. So what did they misunderstand about the temple? They thought it was the building. Because he was standing by the building when he said it. But he didn't mean the building. What did he mean? Himself. Himself. Yeah. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts God. Let God rescue him now if he wants, if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. So both, both of the people that are on the cross 
at this particular point are heaping insults. So if he'd come down from the cross, what would have been the reaction of the chief priests, teachers, and elders? You think they would have believed? Or you think they'd have coming up with another reason? It's interesting, did I ask that one? Ah, why should they have known better? Particularly, the teachers of the law, the chief priests, elders, what are they supposed to be well-versed in? Prophecy and scripture, yeah. They should, they should have been looking at this stuff to say, that's out of Psalms. That's out of Zechariah. That's out of Isaiah. Instead, they were looking at their power. That's what's ironic about this whole thing, is the people who were most aggressive about killing them were the ones who should have known better. One of the criminals who's hung, hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are just getting what we, our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So why were the other two crucified with Jesus? What was our crime? No. They were criminals. In the other ones I read, they referred to them as rebels. So it was insurrection. What, what particular group of Jews were the normal were normally the insurrectionists? There was four. Pharisees. Sadducees, Zealots, and Essenes. Which of those would have been rebels? Zealots. Okay. Remember, Simon, there was Simon the Zealot. There was one of the Zealots, too, that's also mentioned in the scriptures. So these two were Zealots, and it was part of their culture. They hated having the Romans over them. And Romans, if you were an insurrectionist, they were gonna, they were gonna crucify you. That was death penalty. So the difference, what's the difference between two rebels? Yeah, one of them, one of them said, hey, he didn't do anything wrong. We did. We belong here. But he doesn't. Okay, one of, the, one, one of them received something. Did he expect it? No. He says, remember me when you're in there. I don't think he expected Jesus to say, you can be with me today. Imagine how that made that man feel. Huh? Yeah. And which was going to be... I, no. No, I, he says, he, he was saying, this man hadn't done anything wrong. 
And he looked at him, he says, remember me when you come in your kingdom. I don't think he was being sarcastic at all. I think he was saying, remember me. But I don't think he had any expectation necessarily with that comment. He, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Look at his response. He had to know in his heart. He says, tell, I'll tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. Which is probably where he didn't expect to go. The soldiers came up, mocking him. They offered him wine vinegar, and he said, If you are king of the Jews, save yourself. So here's the mocking from the Romans. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. So now they're waiting for him to die, right? So the response of the soldiers, they just joined in, didn't they? It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. So it's 9 o'clock in the morning. So now he's gone from the day before, through the day, preaching in the temple, having the Passover meal Thursday night, having a long discussion with his disciples after the meal. He's now gone out from where he was in Bethany to the garden. He's been in the garden till the middle of the night. He's been arrested. He's gone through five trials. He's been whipped almost to death. He's made the journey from inside Jerusalem to the place of the skull, and it's 9 o'clock in the morning. And he's been nailed to the cross. So I just kind of went through when it began. It began at 9 o'clock in the morning. Third hour of the day. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read... Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the King of the Jews, but, but that this man claimed to be King of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. So why did he put it in three languages? If you were there, you spoke one of those three languages. Aramaic would have been what? Which areas? North Africa, possibly. Somewhere down into Africa. You even had people from Ethiopia that, that came up to Jerusalem, didn't you? Ethiopian eunuch. Latin. Who did he reach with Latin? Romans, all the Romans, and with Greek. Every Jew knew how to speak Greek. Yep, yep. And that was a leftover from the Greek Empire. When you were in the Greek Empire, everybody spoke Greek. That was a difference between that and the Roman Empire. In the Roman Empire, if, you, if your native language is Greek or your native language is Aramaic, you stuck with your native language. What did, what did the notice represent and what did it not say? What did that, what did that notice over your head when you were being crucified, what was it of? 
It was a crime. It was the notice of your charge. What you were charged with that you were being executed for. And you can see why they would do that. It was a public execution. They wanted to make sure everybody understood what they were doing. And they put that over there to say, if you do this, this is how you're going to end up. So what did it say? That this is Jesus Christ, King of the Jews. It didn't say that he was an insurrectionist. It didn't say that he was a blasphemer. It said he was the king of the Jews. Pilate, I think, he was irritated with the Jews that pushed him into doing something he absolutely didn't want to do to an innocent man. But I don't know. Do you think he believed? A little? That even takes away the crime calling himself king I mean, because he said you're king of the Jews there already was a king of the Jews yeah Herod was a king it wasn't against the law no they allowed kings in their kingdom their empire not a kingdom it's an empire so how did the Jews respond they want him recognized as being the king yeah uh, this is not politically good for them to say that the, the, the Roman governor who has jurisdiction over their area and in a larger area recognized him as king of the Jews. That was, that was not politically good for them. Whining to the end. Okay. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sisters, Mary, the wife of Clopas, Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, time on, the disciple took her into his home. So, so what part of the law is Jesus fulfilling when he made sure his mother was taken care of? Son, it was his responsibility to make sure his mother was taken care of. Yeah. Honor thy mother and father. Again, he's fulfilling the law. But he wasn't doing it just to check marks. He was doing it because that's who he was. Jesus dies. So there, there was, if you put all four of them together, you had a lot of information. Otherwise, you had five verses. <laughs> From noon until three the after, in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. So at three, he's already been on the cross for, from noon, at, he's already been on the cross for three hours. About three in the afternoon, he cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lema, Sambachnia, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So how dark was it in the land, and how, for, for how long? How dark was it? Just kind of shady? It was dark. Was the sun up? Should have been. Noon. It's the middle of the day. Does it get dark in the middle of the day? No. When we have an eclipse, how long does it last? Not three hours. It don't get that dark. It don't get that dark either. No. You've got the, you've got the ring that's around it, and you've got some light. It, it's kind of shady. I don't think it was shady. I think it was dark. 
Why did Jesus cry out? God had left him at that time. Yeah. It's the first time in his existence he's been without the Father. I'm not sure that wasn't the cruelest cut of all. At that point, he had taken on all the sins of the world. That's right. And God couldn't have anything to do with it. That's why he cried out. He didn't cry out when they, when they whipped him. He didn't cry out when they put the nails in him. But when his father left him, then he cried out. I, I, John's kind of got something going there, too, with that Psalm 22. I mean, it's the start of Psalm 22. Psalm 22 tells the whole story of him being on the cross. You can see his agony. You can see, you can see where he dies and where he, basically where God relieves that pain. So it's kind of a marker for that. You know, it says it, like I said, I mean, he takes on the world of pain, but it's also there of here's the whole story of what's happening. So it does both, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. So, you know the answer to this one. Psalm 22. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws. Why would that happen? Because you're thirsty. You don't have any moisture in your mouth. Same psalm, Psalm 22. Talks about the crucifixion all the way. If you want to read about the whole thing, Read Psalms. Well, you know, he's, he was, if it's 9 o'clock in the morning when it started, that means it was 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning when he was whipped, which means he lost a lot of blood. It started to congeal. They put the cloak on him. It dried some. They ripped the coat off. All those wounds were opened back up again started to stop a little bit probably and they put a cross on his back and said here carry that guess what they opened back up again if they were so he lost a lot of blood at this particular point when some of those standing standing there heard this they said he's calling elijah immediately one of them ran and got a sponge he filled it with wine vinegar put it on the staff and offered it to jesus to drink the rest said now leave him alone let's see if elijah comes to save him and john adds when, they had when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And in Matthew, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. So those are all three talking about it, but they have little different pieces in them. So I put them all on one page. So why did some misunderstand what he'd said? Not all of them spoke that language, so when they heard... Eloi, Eloi, they thought he was saying Elijah, and he wasn't. They didn't understand the language. When he drank from the sponge, what happened? He died. How did he say it is finished? Did he mumble it? cried out. It is finished. I'm not sure how the crowd responded, but that's how he said it. He 
has said several times, if no one takes my life, I give it. Yeah. And at that point, he's given his life. He gave his life. So how long was he on the cross? and the last three in the dark. Now, it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies of the crosses to be left on the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then the other. But. When they came to Jesus, they found that he was already dead. They had already dead. They did not break his legs. What effect did breaking the legs have someone who was hanging on the cross? They couldn't push up to breathe. They couldn't push up to breathe. So you suffocate fairly quickly. Whose legs were broken and whose were not? The two guys with Jesus, the two rebels. But Jesus were not broken. This is a pet peeve of mine. Maybe just mine. A lot of times with the Lord's Supper, somebody says, who's, who Jesus, whose body was broken and pierced for us. It was not broken. It was pierced. It was not broken. And in, you see, this is John, so continuation with John. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you may believe. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And another scripture says, they will look on the one who they have pierced. So, why was his side pierced? How did it verify it? Yeah, you have plasma and you have red blood cells, right? And it already started to separate, which means it wasn't circulating in the body. So it indicated he was dead. What scriptures? I pulled it out of these two. One of them was the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord, in 34, Psalm 34, delivers him out of all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. That's one. The other one I pulled out of Zechariah. I looked at several of these, and I thought Zechariah was the best. I will pour out my house of David on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of his grave and of the supplication, so that they will look on me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son, and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. To me, that was the prophecy that was talking here. Because was everybody cheering for his death that was there? No, there's, there's a great number that was weeping the whole time and crying over his death. Back to Matthew. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs were op broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion, who those with him were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake 
and saw all that happened. They were terrified and exclaimed, exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. So what unnatural events occurred at the time of his death? The what? The earthquake. The earthquake. Yeah. Yeah. The dead came back to life of the holy ones. What else? I had four. That's two. Veil in the temple was torn. It was torn, but it was torn from the top down to the bottom. Not the bottom. When something's blowing and everything like that. It goes to the weakest point, rips that first, then rips up. But it ripped to the strength point of it down. The rock split, which is part of the earthquake. The other one was, is it's still dark. That was four unnatural things that happened. And the Romans are looking around at this going, wow, who is it that we just killed? Had to be the Son of God. Because they all knew what he claimed to be. So how long did those who arose from the tombs stay in and around the tombs? They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection. So at some point in there, but the earthquake happened and the tombs opened up and his death, but his at his resurrection they went into town. So I don't know whether they hung around the tombs or not. So we have the response of the pagan Romans to what they saw. How's that ironic? They didn't believe in him. They didn't believe in God. They didn't believe he was the son of God when he was alive. But yeah, they didn't believe in God, period. They believed in God. They, they believed who he was, that he was truly the Son of God. But you still had the chief priests and the teachers and the elders and the scribes that were still saying, ah, oh, we finally got him. That's ironic. The people who are supposed to be God's people are leading God's people to God were the ones who were cheering for his death. And the ones who were the pagan Romans were saying, this is truly the Son of God. Truly ironic. Yeah. Why, why do you think the Pharisees saw all those things and then still kind of put the blinders on? Because they were fixated on themselves. They were so fixated on themselves and so wound up with their pride their station in society, their control, their money, they couldn't see anything else. Well, we saw all those things and what God, his heart was hardened. And I think eventually, you know, some Pharisees did, but I believe that it was a very similar situation. God had presented, just like he did to Pharaoh, here's all things that show them in God, but their hearts were hardened. The Pharisees almost became their own God. They created their own rules. They yeah. created their own punishments. They were bigger than God. He's not our son. Well, they were. They, they said, we're, 
we're important, okay? And they, what they were doing was they were using God, they were using God's word to maintain their power. They weren't trying to lead anybody to God. They were trying to make sure people followed them. Which was part of their selfishness. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. And in Matthew, many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and Mary and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Who are Zebedee's sons? James and John, sons of thunder. Why were the women there? You don't know how many women there were. You, know, you always kind of saw, we will kind of have focused in more on Matthew and some of the other ones. It's, this is accounted in all four. Is that we knew that Mary and Mary and the mother of Zebedee's sons were there. So there's three women. But evidently there was a big group of women that come down from Galilee. It wasn't just a few. It was a bunch. We don't know how many, but there was a lot of people that had come down from Galilee. They didn't come down to see him killed. They came down to see him and were mortified at what was going on with his crucifixion. Who were these women? Where did he do most of his preaching? Galilee. Yeah, up around the, uh, the uh, Sea of Galilee. But he, all around the sea, and I use that with quotes because it wasn't that big, that's where he did his preaching. So he's buried. Yeah. Do you think they're part of that? Those same groups where it talks about right there, people in the crowd like yelling at him, saying, yeah, you belong there. And then there's a group of people following him. Do you think that's the same? I think they're, they're all together in the same group. So you've got one group that's crying and my dad and can't believe what's going on. The other one's that's cheering. And then they stay they don't take their own. They stay. The other one's when he died. I'm sure they just left. That's on. Cared enough to prepare the body. Yes. You know, that's safe to say they at least cared enough. So they weren't out for mischievous. No, they were, they were out because they wanted to, 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 to care for them. Notice it only said women. Right? No. Well, the men, women the in the crowd have different motives. Huh? Women in the crowd can have different motives. Well, they were we, his mother. They were his best friend's mother. Right. They care. The people he had, Mary Magdalene. Yeah. They, they all had a very personal history with him. A lot of those people that said crucify him did not have a personal, uh, the same kind of personal. He went into these people's homes. They cared for him. Mary and Martha. I mean, there's probably a lot of them we know that the Bible talks about were probably in that crowd. They could have been in that crowd, yeah. Well, Mary and Martha were locals. Didn't you get paid back then to mourn, too? You could just hang out and mourn and get paid. If you, if you didn't have anybody who was close to you, yeah. But these people were getting paid because who would have paid them? Didn't they have mourners? They did, but there was no one to pay them. I know. <laughs> they did. That's right. They had special yeah. mourners. This is Jews. a group that obviously was very fed. Yeah. I mean, they came down to Galilee, which is a pretty good trip. You know, 
especially if you've got to go around uh, Samaria, not through it. It's a pretty good long trip. So, it was the day, preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath. So, as the evening approached, now Joseph was a principal of Jesus, was a disciple, principal, was a disciple of Jesus, but, he seek, but secretly, because he feared the Jewish leaders, with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. So that's what Mark wrote. In John, later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. Luke has a little bit different. A man named Joseph, who was a member of the council, a good and righteous man. He had not consented to their plan and action. A man from Arimathea, a city of the Jews who was waiting for the kingdom of God. So what kind of a person was Joseph of Arimathea? Speaks for himself. Speaks for himself. Okay. An undercover believer. An undercover believer. Huh? Good and righteous man. A good and righteous man. He was a member of council. What council was that? The Sanhedrin. Yeah! He was on the council. He was on the Sanhedrin. And he said, no, do not crucify this guy. Do not prosecute him. He was a dissenting vote. He was a disciple of Jesus. But it was secret up until the point where I'm sure they had the Sanhedrin with the trial. At that particular point, it wasn't, and certainly wasn't at this point. So here's a man who was righteous. So not all the Jewish leadership was corrupt. He was not corrupt. There was a city of Jews, and they were all waiting for the kingdom of God, so they were looking. He was looking for it. The other guys weren't. He was. I think that that's the He was a sincere man seeking God. There was another one. Look at him. Look at him. Okay. Same boat, too. He's in the same boat. It's interesting that you put up those three different locations because they each show the perspective of each writer yep. in their writing. Yeah. What fear did he overcome? Ostracization, retribution from the council. Getting beat up. Yep. <laughs> Maybe getting stoned to death. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate over ordered him to be given him. And in Mark, Pilate was surprised to hear that he, being Christ, was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned that the, from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. Joseph. Go through the Romans. Well, it was a Roman execution, so he had to go through the Romans. So he had to work the system. So how did Pilate respond to Joseph's request? Yeah, yeah, he's no problem. Here, here he is. I'm surprised he said, but yeah, he was accompanied by Nicodemus. So now we come to the part Brent was talking about. The man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. It was in the middle of the night, but he did visit him. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. 
Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with the burial custom. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb, and in which when no one had been laid, ever been laid, because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus, Jesus there, and in Matthew, and it placed it in his own new tomb that had been cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. So, you've got this man, he's on the Sanhedrin, he's rich. He's got his own tomb that was cut for him that he uses because they had to do it, they had to do it fast. They had, at three o'clock he died, by six he had to be in the tomb. And they rolled the stone to shut it, the two of them, which is probably taking a stick or something out of the way and let the stone roll down, which is the way they normally close. And I talked about those. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, Mother Mary were sitting opposite the tomb. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how the body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience of the common. So they were going to come back later on and add to it, which kind of leads to next week with Doug. Sing the 